welcome to Inside Sponsorship, the show that provides sponsorship professionals with advice, insights and news so they can maximise their commercial programmes and achieve best practice. When you think of the UEFA Champions League and sponsors, you think Heineken. When you think of Formula One and sponsors, you probably think Heineken as well. Now, Heineken could have gotten to those synonymous positions simply through longevity of logo slapping and the long association of sport and beer. However, we have all seen the amazing activations Heineken executes in its partnerships. In fact, I went to go and look for a few of my favourites so I could provide some links for you. They being the Jonah Lomu machine where Heineken put the rugby legend in a fake vending machine and he signed rugby balls as prizes for unsuspecting fans, as well as The Dilemma, where a fan has to choose between attending the Champions League final or staying true to his friends. Well... Half an hour later, I'd been thoroughly distracted as I watched plenty of my old favourites as well as some ones I hadn't seen, including the negotiation where men have to convince their female partners in the middle of a furniture store to buy two stadium-style seats as furniture for their house. And it includes, if they are able to get their lady friends to agree to the purchase, it includes two tickets to the UEFA Champions League final. But the catch is... They can't mention the tickets to their partners. So be sure to head to coursesoftware.com for those links and be sure to set time aside as you'll head down a rabbit hole of amazing Heineken activations as well. And that's why I'm excited to welcome Thomas Mulders, Senior Global Sponsorship Manager, to take us inside Heineken in this episode. Hi, I'm Daniel Oyston, host of Inside Sponsorship, and you're listening to episode 118 brought to you by Core Software. I hope that 2023 has started well for you and it's shaping up as a really big year, no matter where you are in the world or what your connection is with the sponsorship industry. Thanks for joining me for another episode. But we aren't off to a great start as I don't have any shout outs. Now, clearly, you've all been too busy enjoying some downtime and then ramping back up for the year. But when you get the chance, reach out on LinkedIn and say hi and let me know a little bit about yourself and I'll give you a quick shout out on the next episode. I really do love hearing from the listeners. Now, as I mentioned earlier, Heineken and some properties have become synonymous. Of course, Heineken, it's a huge company with 25 million Heinekens served each day across a 192 countries. However, like all great companies, they evolve and lead. And it's been fantastic to see Heineken's commitment to women's sport and the integration of their zero alcohol beer into existing sponsorships. To take us inside sponsorships at Heineken, Thomas Mulders, Senior Global Sponsorship Manager at Heineken, joins us in this episode. Thomas is closing in on eight years at Heineken, having begun in marketing and social media at the Heineken Experience. And these days, Thomas manages the UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, and UEFA Europe Conference League sponsorships at a global level. And he also manages partnerships with some top-tier museums in Amsterdam. Now, just a quick note before we hear from Thomas, and that's that we had some technical issues during the recording, and we had to jump off a phone call and reconnect using WhatsApp. So uh, I just wanted to mention that, just in case you think, at around about the 30-minute mark, I think it is, that Thomas suddenly sounds a little bit different. Here's Thomas. Thomas, welcome to the show. We always start the show with a few little easy icebreaker questions just to kick off and just to warm up a little and have a little bit of fun and for the listeners to get to know you a little bit better. So your first icebreaker question, it's quite a common one that I ask the guests because it always gives us something a little bit interesting and it is, what was your first ever job? Yeah, so my first ever job was actually 
a, um, a summer job when I was around 14 or so. Um, it was a, a two week stint, one week before the actual uh, vacation I had with my family and one week after. It was in a hospital. Um, I was doing the, the dishes and had to uh, pick up all the, the plates from all the hallways from all the all the patients. And I really didn't like it. Like the, <laughs> the vibe was not great. So during the during the vacation, I was actually talking to my parents like I really don't want to do this second week, but I I still went for it, uh, received the money and bought my first mobile phone from it. So I'm happy I finished it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> very good. I find it very hard to believe that you didn't enjoy that job. That's very surprising. <laughs> so, <laughs> Thomas, your second question is that we know that you uh, work at Heineken. Heineken is a big sponsor and supporter of football right around the world. So your second icebreaker question is, what's your favorite ever football memory? Yeah, again, so these are these are loads. Um, personally, I'm always very happy when Ajax is performing well. That's my, my team here in the Netherlands. So any domestic titles or good stints in the Champions League uh, from them are great. And the same goes for the Dutch national team in the, in the Euros or in the World Cup. And then from a Heineken point of view, again, there are so many to talk about. But uh, when I just started working at Heineken, I had to analyze how our Champions League was being activated uh, on site across Europe. Um, so I was traveling quite a bit, uh, visiting loads of fixtures. And um, at one of those, I uh, met a woman who is currently actually my fiance. So that's a great memory. Um, and then also, I'm just very lucky to be in a position to have uh, attended Champions League finals and Euros finals. Um, yeah, those are moments uh, you, will, you will obviously never forget. Outstanding. And congratulations on the engagement. You spoke about there being a lot of great memories and it does feel like Heineken has become synonymous, so to speak, with a lot of sporting properties around the world. But can you provide us with a little bit of an overview of what the entire portfolio looks like, including some of the non-sports properties? On, on UEFA side, we have the, the Champions League, we have the Europa League, we have the Europa Conference League, and then on the women's side, we have the Women's Champions League and the Women's Euros. Um, in racing, we are sponsoring Formula One, Formula E and the W Series. Uh, on rugby, we are involved with the Heineken Champions Cup and with Amstel, uh, which actually just announced the renewal of the contract with, with Common Ball. So they are involved with the Copa Libertadores, the Sudamericana and also the Femenina. And then again, in our local markets, there are so many uh, partnerships in place across uh, music uh, and, and festivals, for instance, and also even, even TV shows like, like Big Brother in Brazil. Big brands like Heineken, they have big budgets, and so pure advertising is always an important play. It feels like you do actually have to have a presence just in that pure advertising space, especially in competitive and saturated markets. But sponsorship is obviously attractive to Heineken. What does make sponsorship attractive to Heineken as part of its marketing mix? I think there's a couple of things. Obviously, uh, some of these sponsorships provide a great reach. You can you can engage with with many consumers uh, across the globe, and also on on touch points and passion points that are important for them. And I think that's a very uh, relevant thing for us that we can share those uh, passion points with our consumers um, and add value to to what they're experiencing. Um, so that for us is a is a great 
way to engage with 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 our consumers and to to share those yeah Champions League victories or the Formula One season uh, or a music uh, festival when they are celebrating with Heineken in their hands. So um, it's it's about mental availability, of course, uh, in terms of, of awareness and reach, but at the same time uh, sharing uh, important moments that will that will stick with your consumers for yeah, hopefully their lifetime. When you were talking earlier about your portfolio of properties that you're involved with, you mentioned UEFA Champions League, and it is a huge pillar in your sponsorship portfolio, and it has been for some time. Are you able to talk us through some of the numbers that make it such an attractive opportunity for Heineken? Yeah, so football is is really the number one sport if you if you look at it from a from a global perspective and in terms of the interest of the of the consumers. Um, of course, uh, there, there, are, there may be countries where another sport might be might be uh, more interesting for for some consumers. But if you look at it from a global lens, then football is the number one sport. So in terms of um, uh, reach, yeah, if you look at uh, Champions League match, you 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 know that millions of people are are watching those games. You you probably know it from from the day after when you're at the, the coffee or water machine and you talk about everything that that happened last night with 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 Messi or Neymar or you you name it um, or an underdog that that beats like one of the one of the big teams so um, it really is a um, is a big sport and also if you look at all the social media numbers if you look at the, the following that, that the Champions League has online. Um, and, and even other football platforms that that um, engage with with consumers around the football banter and about the football culture that is absolutely massive. Of course, there is always the obvious branding opportunities available through a sponsorship such as UEFA Champions League. But what other assets does Heineken receive from UEFA, and how do you go about activating them to give you maximum return? One of the assets that we receive is indeed the LED boarding around the pitch. Uh, I'm sure you know them. Uh, same as the advertising uh, breaks around uh, around the games. Um, but then also the the rights to to have tickets in hospitality is a is a key one because again talking about the, the um, consumer touch points. Um, you know, it's 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 great to to watch it on television, but it's evenly great to, to watch it in the stadium and to be there and to really live uh, those moments in the in the stadium. So that is um, something something that we that we get from the from the contract. Um, they more around the trophy tour, which is a, a fantastic activation that we that we do, where we bring the Champions League trophy to markets. Um, and again, if you see what this does to to people on site uh, in Africa and the Americas in in APEC, um, that is brilliant. Um, then we have the back stadium tour in which we um, invite consumers or uh, trade partners uh, through a tour inside um, the stadium. So you really see what's what's happening uh, behind the scenes, and you get to points where uh, normally you wouldn't be able to go to. Um, yeah, obviously we can we can link ourselves to the to the Champions League. So uh, all the IP that comes with it, uh, doing activations with with impact promotions, uh, merchandise um, is is great to activate. 
You mentioned the UEFA Champions League trophy tour there, which is obviously presented by Heineken. You spoke about the impact that it has on people as you take it around and tour it. I know it's more than just simply showing people the Champions League trophy. What sort of elements go into the tour to help activate it and engage with audiences and and, and really bring that opportunity to life? The trophy tour is something we have been doing for quite quite a while now, and as I said, yeah, the the, the magic of the, of the Champions uh, Champions League trophy is, is something you just cannot uh, underestimate. The cup with the big ears, if it if it comes to a local market and especially uh, markets that are uh, physically further away from from Champions League matches, it's 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 magical. Um, so we work with our uh, local markets, we work with our agencies, we work with UEFA. To come up with a plan to really make sure what is in the most interest for the consumers locally, um, and uh, that that can be different in in various markets. So uh, we we bring the trophy, we uh, bring a football legend, um, but we also can uh, really shape it towards the needs of the local market. So sometimes they. Uh, they go to the local brewery and we have a, a legend visiting the, the local brewery with, with the trophy and consumers can take a, a picture with the legend and with the trophy. Uh, we do media activities. We do uh, five-a-side football matches between uh, footballers and, and influencers, for instance. Uh, photo opportunities with the trophy, uh, signing of, of merchandise with, with the legend. There are so many things that you can can do around it. Um, and again, I've, I've been lucky enough to, to be on a few. And if you, if you go to, for example, I've been in, in Nigeria some time ago to bring the trophy there. Uh, and, and this was with, with Carlos Puyol. Um, yeah, the, 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 the passion of the people around football and around Champions League is, is, well, almost undescribable. Um, so a lot of work goes into it, but if you then again see what the outcome is, it's, uh, it's always worth it. It does sound absolutely amazing. It sounds like there's a lot going on when the trophy goes on tour. Thomas, I'm interested in obviously all the work that Heineken does. Do they do you activate with any other partners like brand partners? And and if so, what does that look like? And why do you partner with others instead of simply activating on your own? The activation sometimes comes from just ourselves but there are some instances where it actually makes uh, sense to to partner up with uh, another Champions League partner for instance so um, as you know Pepsi Lace is a partner of the um, of the Champions League and uh, yeah watching football with some with some Lace crisps and a Heineken beer sounds like a really good combination uh, so we work we work together with them in the in the off trade on, on cross promoting the Champions League but also in the past around the the Euros tournament, we have worked together with Just Eat Takeaway. Um, we work together sometimes with broadcasters um, in the off-trade to, to make uh, matches available for consumers. Um, so it, it really has to be like a, an added uh, value for the consumer. I think that is, that is the, the starting point that we need to be consumer centric and to really understand okay how can we make this relevant for our consumers um, and see where we can we can work together with partners and um, same as as other partners maybe not as a as a sponsor of the Champions League but yeah we couldn't do without activating Champions League or Formula One without our partners in the on and off trade 
uh, or, or media partners where we are are activating. So yeah, there's ways of uh, of doing things together where one plus one becomes a three. So Thomas, with those partnerships where you activate with another brand around the same property or the one property, is that something that Heineken consistently considers at the start of any activation? So you're you're actively trying to go out there and think, well, what other brands could work with us in this space? We could leverage off each other. As you said, uh, one-on-one can make three. Or is it something where you are open to approaches from other brands and that's more about how these opportunities come about? There's not a mandatory from our side to to work with other partners. I think the the key point is that it's relevant for the consumer. If we if we look at the partners around uh, Champions League or Formula One, there are ones that are uh, from a first instance are are more relevant to uh, us to to work with, and 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 some less, and and that is okay. I think. Um, so we are open to work with others, um, and if we see an opportunity with another brand, then equally we will reach out to them and say, "Hey guys, um, we think there might be something here. What what do you think?" Um, and if it's a, a, a good idea, we, we'll we'll look into it and we we'll try to make it work, and uh, we we'll try to make the best out of it. But it's not um, uh, that we that we that we have to. I think it's important that we always think from the consumer and uh, yeah does it does it add value to the consumer on what we're trying to achieve here and if another brand comes to to work with us or wants to work with us i must say uh, then equally we look into it and uh sometimes that that works and sometimes it it, it doesn't but yeah we're we're open to uh, to these explorations I think it's an important point that you make that always thinking about does this make sense for the consumer, not just do we get something out of it as a brand. Thomas, in recent times, Heineken has moved to support and sponsor women's football more and more as it grows right around the world. UEFA Women's Euro 2022 is part of that. And so as per an earlier question, can you talk us through what are some of the numbers that make the UEFA Women's Euro 2022 such an attractive opportunity for Heineken to be involved with? If you look at the Women's Euros last summer in the UK, it probably broke all the records that that could have been broken in terms of attendance at the stadiums, in terms of viewership, in terms of broadcasters involved. Um, I mean, there were there was such a, a positive vibe around the entire tournament, and um, yeah, I think women's football is um, obviously not comparable to all the all the the data and statistics around uh men's football um but if you see that the journey that they are going through that is that is uh, highly impressive and i uh, so again some some really positive uh news around the, the women's world cup coming up and around tickets uh, being requested uh for for those games so um yeah it's 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 on a it's on a big growth there was a recent study as well from from uefa that showed the um, uh potential of, of, of the game which which I think is is, is fantastic um, and it's great to see all these things that that, that happen around women football around uh, uh, rights that, that women have in in football around the uh, the shorts that they are swapping uh, colors because of, of uh, the period that a, that a female might have when playing football I think these are all very important topics to address 
Um, and it's it, it's not fair to compare women's football one-on-one with, with men's football. Um, it is the same gay, but it's 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 uh, delivered in a different way. And for us, it's all about uh, the inclusivity around around the sport, whether you are a fan uh, or or a player. Um, and it's a very yeah interesting journey to be part of from from a from a brand side. There are definitely some huge opportunities. You're in the Netherlands, I'm in Australia, and I can tell you that here in Australia, speaking recently with Tom from Football Australia, Football Australia are very much on a path to try and get gender parity in participation numbers in this country. And I think he was saying it was by 2027, so that means adding about 400,000 female players to the sport in a country like Australia. So there is definitely brands, organisations looking at the women's football space and seeing great opportunity. And we know that Heineken is really taking a leadership role in women's football by challenging outdated notions that football is just for men and that no one watches women's football. And I wanted to pick up on that point that you mentioned before about data. Tell us about your work on that front. And I am interested to hear about how you're using non-gender bias statistics online, specific ads, and also partnering with female ambassadors. And and, and we should say congratulations because you've recently won an award for all this work. Yeah, thanks. And it's something we are we are very proud of as well. Uh, the Cheers to All Fans campaign, yeah, was was a different campaign around around football than we've than we've done before. And we really, yeah, as I was saying, we really want to make football inclusive, and uh, we really want to make women feel part of of football. And um, in the campaign, where you see a lot of uh, female fans, uh, we received messages afterwards through. Uh, through colleagues, through agencies, like hey, it's it's so it's so great that the, that a global brand like Heineken is actually now representing uh, female fans in in their campaigns, which uh, yeah, which is fantastic to hear. But at the same time, the fact that that is being noticed uh, is showing that there's still a lot lot of work to be done. Um, but I think one thing that was that was great that we that we did as as part of that uh, campaign that we came up with. Uh, uh, fresher football, um, which is basically a site, uh, and we we work together with Goal.com to show how uh, football statistics are um, not not represented in the in the right way. So, if you look online on uh, how much goals have been scored or how many titles uh, a certain team have uh, won in in let's say the Champions League. And you will always find on on those websites that it's skewed towards uh, the male performances, uh, whereas actually in some cases there are female football players that have scored more goals, or there are female football teams that have uh, won more trophies. Um, so I think that was a very powerful act from from our side to to address that. And funnily enough, um, we we saw last week that. I think it was in in New Zealand that uh, a similar campaign was was launched uh, around around rugby to yeah to address those incorrect uh, results. Um, and it's all about yeah showing showing people and and, and consumers out there um, what is being achieved by by the female football players and uh, yeah want to make uh, want to make it an inclusive space whether you are a fan. Or a player, whether you are watching from home or whether you are um, watching from the stadium, 
that it's um, yeah, it, it should be it should be more inclusive, and that's a, that's a journey we are on. And it is a great journey, and we will all watch with great interest because it's very exciting. There's lots of opportunities, of course. Thomas, we've spoken a lot about football and just then women's football, but Formula One is another key pillar in Heineken's sponsorship portfolio. What makes Formula One attractive for Heineken and how do you activate that partnership? Formula One is is a fantastic sport, I think, and um, it has shown a great growth over the last over the last years. Um, I think from our side, it's it's important to see where we can uh, engage with our fans. Um, now, I, I like both football and I like uh, Formula One. So as a brand, Heineken would probably engage with me on those two, two platforms. But uh, we also realize that um, certain people who like football might not like Formula One or the other way around. So it's for us another opportunity to, to engage with fans. Um, and yeah, it's fantastic to see what, what Formula One has done over the last couple of years in terms of their social media building, in terms of uh, the Drive to Survive uh, series, obviously, um, new races that have been added to the, to the calendar. And um, yeah, as I said, we want to engage with our consumers. So um, hospitality can be, can be part of that. Uh, being being on site at the race is a fantastic experience to hear the noise of the of the engines uh, to see what what the mechanics do around the pit stops. Um, but but again, to 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 work with our uh, partners in the on and off trade and to create um, experiences for our uh, consumers. So in the last uh, years, we've done, for example, an activation which is called the the pit wall bar in which consumers would be able to win uh, a Heineken pitwall bar. I think it, it speaks for itself what it is, but it's uh, yeah, a, a great thing to, to win. So we're always trying to see um, how we can uh, bring relevancy and added value to the, to the consumers around the, around the platform. Well, speaking of consumers, part of your activation and messaging around Formula One is when you drive, never drink. It is clearly important messaging, but it also helps you position your zero alcohol beer. Is this an example of a a win-win-win for Formula One, Heineken, but also some corporate social responsibility relating to public health? Because I'm also interested in how it has been received by the public because zero alcohol options is, is a hugely growing market right around the world. And, and, and you used famous drivers in those ads to help activate it, didn't you? Yeah, correct. So when we when we started with Formula One in 2016, we were uh, well aware that uh, we are an alcohol brand and that we were entering uh, uh, a motorsport. So right from the start, we said we have to be super bold on uh, on this sponsorship and make clear on how we want to approach it. So that's when we uh, started when when you drive never drink. And we started with Sir Jackie Stewart as an ambassador around that campaign. Um, obviously, uh, Sir Jackie did an uh, awful lot of things, uh, fantastic things to make racing a safer sport, to make sure that there were tires on the on the side of the track, to make sure that there was a medical team on site, uh, the racing gear and equipment uh, to improve all of that. So he was he was a perfect ambassador for us to. Uh, to launch that campaign in 2016. 
And um, for us, it's it's very clear that if you are a fan and you are at the racetrack or you're watching from home, that uh, drinking a beer is 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 fine. Um, but if you are in the car yourself, whether you're a professional or amateur, then absolutely that is a, a no-go. Um, so so when you drive, never drink is really about making sure that 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 consumers are aware uh, what the approach of of Heineken is. And um, yeah, Heineken Zero Zero obviously plays an important role in that because if you want to drive, there is Heineken Zero Zero as the alternative for you. And if you um, do not uh, want to drink Heineken Zero Zero, but you want to drink a Heineken, that is equally fine as long as you are then not driving. So you take a, a taxi or you go by public transport. So again, it's really about um, giving consumers um, a choice. We don't want to be uh, preaching that they should be drinking Heineken Zero Zero all the time, but we do want to make um, moderation cool and make consumers aware that, uh, yeah, from a Heineken point of view, and I would say from a from a general point of view, um, it is not okay to to drink alcohol um, and then step into a car or uh, any other moving vehicle that you are uh, behind the wheel. Well, we don't normally do brand plugs or product plugs on this podcast, Thomas, but as somebody who doesn't drink very often, but I do enjoy a beer, uh, I've always got a couple of Zero Heinekens in the fridge and I can highly recommend them. Now, Thomas, Heineken also sponsors the European Rugby Champions Cup, which is an annual rugby union tournament where 24 clubs from the three major European domestic and regional leagues compete. I think by now we have a great understanding of why Heineken is involved in sponsorship. So when we talk about rugby here, instead of asking what you're trying to achieve or the benefits or why it's important, I think it would be great to get an understanding about what makes this sponsorship different or maybe even challenging compared to the others that we've already spoken about. What I was saying on on Formula One, I think that that also counts for Heineken Champions Cup in this case, is that there's a a large group of fans that uh, really enjoy rugby who might not be interested in uh, football and or Formula One. Um, But uh, we have some some big markets like uh, Ireland and uh, the UK where where rugby is is highly relevant. And um, this platform gives them another opportunity to engage with uh with with consumers where champions league or formula one might not be able to to deliver on that i think that's again uh why we are involved in in heineken champions cup because of because of a consumer point of view and from our end to engage with with consumers and the touch points they are uh having a, a passion for so um if you again look at, at some activations that we do around it with uh, the Toyn course and the uh, star of the match trophy. Um, I think there's some some nice examples in there. Um, and and yeah, as I was saying, for for some markets, some platforms that we have might not be relevant. Um, and Heineken Champions Cup can can jump into that uh, gap for them. Thomas, social media is a omnipresent asset in sponsorship these days. How does Heineken approach social media in sponsorship, especially when you need to consider what the wider marketing and comms teams are doing with social media right around the world, but also the challenge of an alcohol brand being active on social media? Obviously, social media is highly important for our 
our business and new platforms pop up almost every month. It's a very fragmented uh, space. Um, and for, for us as an alcohol business, whilst we have uh, zero, zero products, it's also important to, to play by the rules, whether it's TV advertising or advertising on social media. So um, we have a brilliant digital team in place here in Amsterdam who is working with our agencies and local markets to make sure that uh, all the local legal lines, for instance, are being placed on all the assets that we, that we put out there. And um, yeah, we, we, do want to be, we do want to be relevant online. So uh, we have sometimes uh, fully digital activations that we do. Uh, we did that around uh, Europa League with an activation um, we did that around the Euro 2020 tournament with, with Star Predictor, um, but we also uh, do it uh, sort of like a, as a always on uh, around the Champions League season, around the F1 season, uh, with match reminders, uh, with, with Champions League, we have the, the goal of the week. So obviously, if you see how many people are engaging online with uh, the platforms we sponsor, but also... Uh, engage with, with with content around their their passion points, then it's then it's highly important for us to to play in that space. And I think uh, a good example is is uh, what happened around the, the Champions League and the breakaway of the of the of the Super League, where we then uh, came up with a with a post that said, uh, "Don't don't drink and and start a league." And that uh, well, within minutes, I think went went viral because it was such a big. Uh, talking point at the time, and and for us, we are, yeah we have a very credible uh, voice in that in that space, and everybody was sharing it and and applauding us for it. So that was great. So you can see really what uh, what social media can do for the for the brand. Social media is such an important element these days. The other really important element that we can almost never have a conversation around sponsorship without mentioning is data. What part does data play in Heineken's sponsorships? And I'm particularly interested in in how you use your own data as well as that from other parties, whether they be the rights holders or the properties that you're sponsoring or even other third parties. Data is, is an interesting one because, again, it comes with quite some some legalities we want to we want to play by the rules we have the the gdpr in place which we have to adhere to so we always have to to make sure that uh what what we want to do and the data we want to be able to activate that is um abiding by those rules um but at the same time we are very aware that uh cookies will go in the future and for us as a brand it's it's very important to understand our consumers so um, who are you? Where are you from? What What is your age? Um, what are the things that you are interested in? And uh, the better we know that, the, the the better we can engage with you and hopefully add add value. So, um, if if I get an, an an advertisement on on my phone from something that is absolutely not not relevant to me. I will I will swipe it with a swipe it away within a, a millisecond. Whereas if I see something that is interesting, I will probably yeah look at it, maybe click on it, and and then see where it gets me through the through the funnel. Um, so yeah, data obviously helps us to understand uh, our consumers better, and and hopefully we can we can serve them better. 
What's been your favourite activation, Thomas, from Heineken? What was it, and why do you think it was so good? Yeah, these are very different, difficult questions, Daniel, because, again, there's quite a few that popped to my mind. But one that I was really enjoying was around the Champions League, around what we did uh, just after or, or throughout COVID when Champions League matches were suspended. Uh, and at some point it was announced that they would be back on. Um, so we uh, partnered up with Defected um, and we then organized uh, a, a music and, and, and DJ uh, live stream for eight hours uh, to really celebrate that Champions League football was back and we had uh, DJs like Idriz Elba and Bob Sinclair and Purple Disco Machine and, and many others and we streamed from various locations across the, across the globe. And uh, the reason why I liked it because uh, I think that, that the relevancy was was just very strong. You know, society was working from home. There was barely no entertainment, no no sports going on. So um, yeah, coming back to, to to one of the points we talked about in the beginning, football is such a big thing for the for the world. So to have Champions League back on is a is a is a great thing to to happen and for us to then. Uh, celebrate that moment is a is a space for us as a brand where we can, um, yeah, where we are super credible, of course. Um, so that was that was something I I really liked as an activation. And then again, uh, more recently, the the stuff around fresher football and the cheers to all fans uh, campaign. It's it's just really making an impact, and that's just uh, yeah, fantastic to see. Yeah, some some fantastic activations there, but yeah, it wasn't designed to be an easy question, Thomas. So well done because you've got a lot to pick from. Thomas, are there any emerging areas of sponsorship that Heineken is considering at the moment, or maybe keeping an eye on to see how they grow and develop, or, or even some trends that you're aware of? Yeah, so we always keep an eye out on on what is happening in the world. I think as a brand, we want to be relevant to our consumers, so almost by default we we need to keep on uh being on on trend or at least uh, monitor what what's going on in the world and uh, it doesn't matter whether whether that is sports or non-sports or music or, or any other other territories but we just want to be um relevant so yeah we we, we see what is happening with with new sports uh popping up like like uh pickleball uh padel is obviously growing um so we always monitor what what is around us uh that doesn't then mean that we will straight away dive into it but yeah we just have to uh we have to be very aware that that uh things change uh consumers might have um, different interests over time and we want to be relevant, so we, we always uh, keep an eye on, on, on what is happening in the world. Well, speaking of keeping an eye on what's happening in the world, many people would look towards big brands like Heineken for best practice ideas and, and inspiration, and rightly so, because you do such amazing work. But how do you yourself try and stay up to date and, and be inspired on the sponsorship front? So we have a great team of experts in our team and, and uh, we work with, with great agencies. Uh, we try to, to follow the, the, the sports industry news, but also what's happening from a cultural perspective, um, not only in, in, in where you live, but in, in, in wider regions, in wider uh, territories from, from other cultures that's, that maybe you are less exposed to. Um, 
so all of those uh, things you just have to have to follow and you have to be aware that that the only uh, the only constant is 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 change and you have to keep on innovating yourself and and try to do new things um I think it's great also to work for a company that is embracing to to every now and then take a take a calculated risk to see if something works. Um, but yeah, I think it's uh, as I said, it's it's important to uh, keep keep speaking to people, uh, go out of your bubble, see what's happening in the world, and uh, try to understand if that might be of interest for the business. Thomas, it's been a great chat. If people want to get in touch with you, connect with you, or, or find out more about what Heineken is doing in the sponsorship space, what can they do? Where can they go? Yeah, I mean, they can they can follow all the sports properties we are engaging with. So uh, feel free to to watch a Champions League game or to watch Formula One uh, or the, the Women's Champions League. So there are so many things they, they can do. Um, uh, there's a very exciting calendar. Um, for the for the Champions League, uh, but also a very busy F1 season with uh, with Las Vegas being added to the to the calendar, which looks highly exciting. Um, obviously, there's our social media channels where people can follow us, and from a personal perspective, they can um, reach out to my LinkedIn. Excellent. And listeners, as always, we'll put a link to Thomas's LinkedIn profile in the show notes at coresoftware.com. Thomas Mulders, Senior Global Sponsorship Manager, thank you so much for taking us inside sponsorship at Heineken. Thank you. As I said at the start of the show, when you think of the UEFA Champions League and sponsors, you think Heineken. And when you think of Formula One and sponsors, you probably think Heineken as well. But as we've heard, Heineken isn't just about logo slapping and, in fact, have become known for some amazing activations. And some of my favourites include the Jonah Lomu machine where Heineken put the rugby legend in a fake vending machine and he signed rugby balls as prizes for unsuspecting fans, as well as the dilemma where a fan has to choose between attending the Champions League final or staying true to his friends and also now the negotiation where men have to convince their female partners in the middle of a furniture store to buy two stadium style seats to go into their house as furniture for their house and uh, that purchase includes two tickets to the Champions League final but the catch is they can't mention the tickets to their partner so if you're keen to see those simply head to the show notes for this episode at Core Software. Of course, you can connect with Thomas on LinkedIn as well. Just search for Thomas Mulders. That's M-U-L-D-E-R-S. Or there is also a link in the show notes for this episode at coresoftware.com. Finally, if you'd love a shout out or just want to connect and say hi, then I'd totally love to hear from you. I'll get a real kick out of it. So please do connect with me on LinkedIn. Just search for Daniel Oyston. That's O-Y-S. T-O-N. That's a wrap for episode 118. Until next time, I'm Daniel Oyston. Thanks for listening to Inside Sponsorship. Thanks for listening to the show. For more episodes, blogs and resources, head to sponsor.net or search for Sponsor on Facebook, Twitter or LinkedIn.